0: of thought that believe we have unlimited scope and possibilities for making decisions. The truth is that our scope is somehow restricted and we have less room. It is therefore key that we engage in innovative decision-making to optimize opportunities in our business and our personal lives. We need to understand our decision-making skills as individuals and organizations. This will enable us to adjust accordingly to the constant changing environment. Question If Jesus had taught at Harvard Business School on these related issues, what would he have to say? My name is Tiroke Akimbolomo. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the If Jesus Taught at Harvard Business School podcast. Every listener to this podcast has a stake in any of the major industries listed on the top trading exchange, for example, the FTSE 100 or the S&P Dow Jones, either from a strategic, operational or tactical perspective. Our interest in these industries is what drives us from day to day. The interest could range from our career aspirations, return on our equity in these companies or the legacy we may want to leave behind in these organizations or even running our own organizations. We cannot ignore the importance of understanding our interest in the going concern and survival of these organizations. But there comes a time on this journey as we climb to reach the mountaintop of success that we encounter the following distraction, confusion, tiredness, lack of motivation, procrastination, a lack of purpose, some people even feel suicidal, a lack of focus, no relevance. To facilitate the discussions for today we shall dig deeper into two key words, focus and relevance. What is focus and what is relevance? As we discuss today's topic which is exploring professional relevance in the global marketplace.
1: Thank you, Tinuke. Now, the gives us the perfect metaphor for what focus is really all about. Focus is about Giving special attention to something or to someone. Now that special attention could be to your wife, to your husband, to your girlfriend, to a boyfriend. But could also be related to a project, a task or many other things involving deliverables. Now I read in literature once that when an eagle sights its prey, even something as small as a rodent from a far away distance, it narrows its focus on it and sets out to get it. No matter what obstacles or distractions come, the ego will not move its focus from the prey until it gets it. In other words, nothing will distract it once it focuses and it will complete the task. Focus is very good, but it really depends on what we are focusing on. Is it relevant or irrelevant? Now, if we go by the lessons learned from the ego, it's probably a good idea to focus on what is of relevance. Which leads us to the question, what exactly is relevance? Relevance can be described as importance to the matter at hand. This suggests that what is relevant today may not necessarily be relevant tomorrow. In other words, it could be relevant tomorrow. Relevance can also be defined as the intersection between what you want to say and what people are interested in. Now, if you imagine two concentric circles joined together where you have an overlap Um, only certain aspects of one circle enters the other circle. Now that commonality between the two circles is what relevance is all about. I have something to say, and who are those that are interested in what I have to say? Now a story that comes to mind which illustrates the importance of having a framework for discerning what is relevant is based on a scenario that occurred thousands of years ago. Jesus brought a relevant message to the Jewish community at that time, The leaders at that time, for some reasons, were not in touch with the interests of the people. They were still teaching the laws of Moses and were not interested in understanding the needs of the people under the rule of the Romans. Jesus came with a relevant message that the people were more interested in. As a result, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders attempted to protect themselves from becoming irrelevant. In the end, they got Jesus crucified. But as we all know, only the truth that is relevant is what sets us free. From bondage. I believe that if they had an adequate framework in place to discern the truth and what is relevant, maybe it would have been a different story. In the book of Corinthians, we are advised regarding the following Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but that only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things, that they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air. But I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. We therefore need a framework to enable us to be focused and relevant. I have identified three. Framework number one, a framework for decision-making governed around your vision, your mission, your core values, who are your stakeholders, your internal infrastructures and the external factors in the environment. Framework number two, a framework for determining the goods and services we provide to our customers. And framework number three, a delivery framework for how we manage, monitor and take our goods to market. Having key performance indicators used to measure the quality of the processes that we use to deliver our goods or services to the market or to our customers. In the following case studies, we shall address all these points by starting with what I would term the most important component, the vision or the dream. The vision of Uber. Imagine a city where traffic speeds along smoothly and quietly, even at rush hours. On a snowy Paris evening in 2008, Travis Kalanick and Gareth Camp had trouble hailing a cab. So they came up with a simple idea, tap a button and get a ride. What started as an app to request premium black cars in a few metropolitan areas is now changing the logistical fabrics of cities around the world. Also, generating a lot of competition, and regulatory intervention in some countries. Nowadays, especially during this period we find ourselves in, whether it's a ride, a sandwich or a package, we use technology to give people what they want and when they want it. This simple idea gave them something to focus their time on, and it was the driver for them for providing a service offering relevant to society. The vision of Airbnb, a future where everyone shares. Airbnb started in 2007 when Joe, Gebbia and Brian Chesky, then both 27, who had met five years earlier at Rhodes Island School of Design, were struggling to pay their rent. There was a design conference coming to San Francisco and the city's hotels were fully booked, so they came up with the idea of renting out free airbeds on their living room floor and cooking their guests breakfast. The next day, they created a website, airbedandbreakfast.com. Six days later, they had a 30-year-old Indian man, a 35-year-old woman from Boston, and a 45-year-old father of four from Utah sleeping on their floor. They charged $80 each a night. In their own words, they said the following. As we were waving these people goodbye, Joe and I looked at each other and thought, there's got to be a bigger idea here. Chesky told me, sitting on the edge of the sofa, still excited by their idea. This bigger idea gave them something to focus their time on, and again, it was the driver for them providing a service offering relevant to society. The vision of Amazon. To be Earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they might want to buy online. The year was 1994 and Bezos was working diligently on Wall Street. At 30 years old, he began to see the internet revolution take place and made the decision to quit his job and start an internet company. He said the following, the wake-up call was finding the startling statistics that web usage in the spring of 1994 was growing at 2,300% a year. You know what? Things just don't grow that fast. It's highly unusual. And that started me thinking, what kind of business plan might make sense in the context of that growth? After making a list of the top 20 products that he could potentially sell on the internet, he decided on books because of their low cost and universal demands. It turns out it was just the beginning. Again, this process of thinking gave him something to focus his time on and it was the driver for again, providing a service offering relevant to society. One of the greatest challenges for visionaries is convincing the populace that your idea is worth looking at. In other words, communicating to them in a language they find relevant. A mission statement gives you focus and relevance as it serves as a statement of your intent with regards your idea, and your statement of belief regarding your products or your services. So if we look at our three case studies, their mission statements gave them focus and gave them relevance. The mission statement for Uber. Transportation as reliable as running water. Everywhere for everyone. The mission statement for Airbnb. The mission is to live in this world where one day you can feel like you're home and not in a home, but truly home. The mission statement for Amazon, we seek to be Earth's most customer-centric company for four primary sets. Consumers, sellers, enterprises and content creators. Over the past couple of years, we have seen companies involved in scandalous affairs that have been driven by behavioral and value issues. They say when the going gets tough, the tough get going but it does not mean at the expense of going against the guiding principles or the core value belief systems of your organization. Surely these were established in the first place to guide organizations and individuals. During the fall of 1982, for reasons not known, a vindictive persons or person, presumably unknown, replaced Tylenol extra strength capsules with cyanide-laced capsules, received the packages, and deposited them on the shelves of at least a half dozen or so pharmacies and food stores in the Chicago area. The poison capsules were bought, and seven of suspecting people died a horrible death. Johnson & Johnson, the parent company of McNeil Consumer Products Company, which makes Tylenol, suddenly, and with no warning, had to explain to the world why its trusted product was suddenly killing people. Johnson & Johnson's chairman, James Burke, reacted to the negative media coverage by forming a seven-member strategy team. The team's strategy guidance from Burke was, first, how do we protect the people? And second, how do we save this product? The company's first actions were to immediately alert consumers across the nation via the media not to consume any type of Tylenol product. They told consumers not to resume using the product until the extent of the time could be determined. They stopped the production and advertising of Tylenol and withdrew all Tylenol capsules from the store shelves in Chicago and the surrounding areas. After finding two more contaminated bottles of Tylenol, they realised the vulnerability of the product and ordered a national withdrawal of every capsule. By withdrawing all Tylenol, even though there was little chance of discovering more cyanide tablets. Johnson & Johnson showed that they were not willing to take a risk with the public safety, even if if it cost them millions of dollars. The end result was the public viewing Tylenol as the unfortunate victim of a malicious crime, as the company stuck to their core values and beliefs during the whole saga. Let's look at the core values of the three case studies we discussed earlier. The core values for Uber. Innovation. Customer safety. Their tagline, safest ride on the road, going the distance to put people first. The core values for Airbnb, the perfect host, champion the mission, every frame matters, be a serial entrepreneur, simplification, embrace the adventure. And finally, the core values around Amazon, customer obsession, earn the trust of others, invent and simplify, and think big. People are important, as highlighted by Richard R. Dupree, a former CEO of Procter & Gamble in one of his famous quotes. If you leave us our money, our factories and our brands, and you take away our people, the company would definitely fail. But if you take away our factories and our brands, and you leave us our people, we can rebuild the whole thing in a decade. What is even more key if we are to remain focused and relevant is identifying the key people and paying special attention to them, delivering what we promised. Even Jesus Christ said he was only called to a certain crowd initially as part of his recruitment and ministering exercises. Who are the relevant people you should be focusing on? Do you have a stakeholder management strategy in terms of those who are in support of your agenda and those not in support? This is important because the opinions of people change from time to time. One day Jesus was relevant to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the next day became irrelevant and they started shouting crucify him. Your employees, your communities, your shareholders, your creditors, your investors, your governments, suppliers, trade unions, mentors, life coaches. How do you interact with them? How do these people you interact with contribute to your focus and relevance? Do they hinder you or do they support you? In your vision and mission statements, there were certain promises made to the populace that you as an individual or company promised to deliver to them. From time to time, we need to carry out an internal assessment of our capabilities and our resources to ensure that we remain focused and relevant with the constant changing and challenging factors that are presented from the external environment. This can involve a review of the following factors. Strengths and weaknesses. For example, strong and resilient leadership is needed during these unprecedented times, both at home and in the workplace. Staff reviews. What are your current policies on recruitment and promotions? How do you manage and compensate staff during times like this? The whole issue of furlough, compensation, bankruptcies. The corporate culture. Is your corporate culture relevant? And how are you managing issues like religious holidays, diversity, LGBT, Black Lives Matter? Dynamic capability, in other words, your resilience. What is resilience? I I quite like uh, this definition I, I got from the dictionary. The ability of an organization to anticipate, prepare for, respond, and adapt to incremental changes and sudden disruptions to survive and prosper. Now, this pandemic has been one of the most key tests for resilience in nearly every sphere of life, at schools, at hospitals, the government, the police, the army, and so many other examples. We can see a form of vertical integration as manufacturers release capacity to focus on producing masks, respiratory machines, and so on, as these were deemed more relevant in the current environment we find ourselves in. Finances, some organizations do not have war chests and have to rely on bounce back loans and food banks. Budgets have to be reviewed to cope with the circumstances to focus on what is really relevant. Restructuring of markets, the hotels, the airlines, entertainment industries have taken massive hits and are finding themselves having to reinvent themselves, having to reinvent their business models to be more focused and relevant for such a time like this. Not managing these factors closely can contribute to an organisation losing focus and there's a strong chance of you or your organisation becoming dormant and irrelevant as a result of not focusing and understanding the changes going on in the marketplace. Yes, Jesus advocated strongly that we are not of this world, but we are in this world, so we can't afford to lose focus and become irrelevant. The same way we have to assess internally to remain focused and relevant, we also have to assess externally by looking at the external factors that may affect the marketplace landscape. Technology is a prime example. Now, over the years, different technologies have been so disruptive, from search engine Yahoo to us now using Google, from social media MySpace to us now using Facebook. We now have Twitter, we now have Instagram, YouTube, and now TikTok. I wonder what's going to happen next. But what I'm trying to say to you is that the key takeaway point is that technology relevant today can become irrelevant tomorrow. I dare you to ask the younger generation if they have a Facebook account. So much data online has been the driver and clam for tighter regulations. Hence the advent of GDPR. Finding firms that do not comply with these new uh, guidelines. Bill Gates wrote a book called Business at the Speed of Thought which highlighted the fact that with technology, disruptive technologies are appearing regularly that are making existing organisations irrelevant. What of influence and lobby groups? You know, representation in parliament, contacts with our local MPs. We all need a voice in parliament to get our views across. Social media helps, but it has to still get to the venue where the policies are made. And that's by having a parliamentarian representative. What of the threats? The greatest one currently is the pandemic and its current threat of mutating into more deadlier viruses. How are we coping? What of the opportunities? Just as there are threats and it is important that we address them, so will there be opportunities? Ask the logistic firms, the pharmaceuticals, the online entertainment and training organizations. Ask Amazon. Ask Zooms. Ask Microsoft Teams. If you avoid understanding the external landscape, there is a heavy chance on focusing on the wrong opportunities and hence you become irrelevant. Even the church is beginning to understand this as they draft new strategies and framework to be focused and relevant in this new era, within the boundaries of their belief system, as most congregation members now watch services from the comfort of their homes. In summary, to be focused and relevant, it is key that we understand the environment our external environment in terms of political, economic, sociological, technological, legal legal, and environmental issues. Picking up on the last point, climate change, which was deemed irrelevant by most people, is now on top of most political agendas thanks to an 18-year-old called Greta Thunberg. Complexity in any shape or form distorts information flow and decelerates clear decision making. Any decision made in the face of complex operations, irrelevant product types are increasingly incoherent. Companies that do well have a sense of clarity and focus with less complex operations and product lineups. Companies whose business models are simple can replicate their successes repeatedly. Apple's co-founder, Steve Jobs, realized this quite early. At the Mac World Expo in 1998, Steve revealed a four-quadrant product grid. And upon his return to Apple, Steve told the company and found out that there were far too many teams working on the Mac. Each team had different names and viewpoints of the Mac in mind, and this caused disunity. He came up with the idea of a simple four-quadrant grid, with two roles labeled as consumers and professionals. And these were the relevant markets they wanted to focus on. And on the other column are portable and desktop. And these were the relevant products that they were going to focus on. This way, the Apple engineers and managers had to focus on only four core product areas and the company could deploy the best engineers in the right area. Additionally, there'll be no product or resource overlaps. In other words, the focus will be on the relevant markets and the relevant products or services. From the discussions we've had, there is a plus to being focused and relevant. For this to be effective, it is key that a strategy that gives order and structure should be employed. This involves having a framework that promotes, one, effective decision-making for implementing vision-based strategies, two, qualitative delivery processes for meeting objectives and three a balanced and focused approach to managing and monitoring relevant goods and services.
0: We conclude today's discussion by asking the following questions. How do we measure relevance? What does the measurement of relevance involve? How do we know that a company or an individual is focused and being relevant? As an individual and an organization, what are you counting and how do you know what to focus on to remain relevant? A tool called the Balance Scorecard, which is used by a number of recommended organizations, gives us some insight into what should be measured to be relevant as an organization. Number one, financial measures. Are we meeting our key financial goals to remain relevant? For example, profitability and reduction in debt. Number two, customer satisfaction. Is our current customer base making us relevant and focused? And is it in line with our goals and objectives? Number three, internal processes. Are our internal processes and systems keeping us relevant and focused to meet our customer requirements. And number four, innovation and improvement. Are we relevant in terms of latest technology and empowering our workers to achieve excellence? Rick Warren makes our understanding much simpler when it comes to the measurement of relevancy. He said the following, anytime someone says you can't measure success by numbers, My response is, it all depends on what you're counting. If you're counting marriages saved, lives transformed, broken people healed, unbelievers becoming worshippers of Jesus, and members being mobilized for ministry and missions, then numbers are extremely important. So how can we deal with distraction? The answer remains the same. Focus and relevance. My name is Tunuke Akinbulomo. Goodbye. And God bless.